Hello and welcome to the Overvolted Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Johnson, and we have Adored with us. All right, guys. And we have Matthew. Hello. And Aurelian. Hello. Today we're actually going to talk about a couple of things. We have Matthew's article about testing the 3700X versus some of the previous revisions of the Ryzen. Then we also want to talk about kind of a hot topic here with Passmark and some of uh, semi-accurate information that they got word of. So let's go ahead and dig right in. Matthew, do you want to start us off? So uh, I was bored, and I uh, I went back to a, a test I did in uh, August of last year, I think. Uh, I compared the 3700X to the 2700 last year, and I I wanted to also test the 1700, didn't have enough time. And I, uh, I had some free time, and I was like, well, let's go back and try it. You know, back in... You know, when the 1700 launched, and this applies to the entire Ryzen line, uh, it was really behind in a lot of things. Like, I remember, like, it wasn't very good at the minimums, its performance wasn't that great. But when you look at the results that I have today, and this is these are good results, I, I ran multiple runs. That That's that's the first thing you do, and then you make sure, like, you have all the updates and, you know, all this basic stuff, and it adds up. Uh, in the synthetics, you know, the 3700X is a lot faster. The 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 1700 was 79% of the performance of the 3700X, and that's uh, I mean that's not bad. Now you can see that Zen 2 has clearly improved on a lot of things there. But when you look at gaming, which was seen as the old Ryzen's biggest failure, it's not that far behind. It's not too bad. And, and, and Counter-Strike, it's pretty bad. Far Cry, it's pretty bad. Forza, it's pretty bad. Everything else is pretty much uh, right on the heels of the 3700X. When you look at the performance summary, the 2700 is about 90% of the performance of the 3700X, and the 1700 is about 84% of the performance. It's not as bad as you would think it would be. The 1700 is still uh, a capable gaming CPU. And also keep in mind that I was targeting well above 60 frames per second. I was targeting 120 for normal games and like uh, 240 for like the esportsy titles like uh, Counter-Strike. Uh, and in most of these titles, it's well above 60 frames. The 1700 was kind of hobbled by its uh, low clock speed. Wasn't it just 3 gigahertz? Uh, this is uh, uh, overclocked. Oh, you overclocked it though. Yeah, so that helps like scrape it back. Yeah, because it seems to be a little bit closer than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah, it is. This is not stock. This is overclocked. This is, uh, my 1700 can get like 3.85 gigahertz at 1.4 volts. It's not, it's not a very good one. It, it couldn't even overclock the memory, actually. It could only, right. I could only like barely tighten the timings. Did you make a chart in here with your resultant settings? Like what you managed to overclock each CPU setup? To do? Oh, I didn't have a chart, but I like I detailed it in the overclocking section. I guess I could have made a chart, but... Uh, It'd be an easy, quick reference. Yeah, maybe I'll do that later. I'll make a chart. Yeah, 3.85 gigahertz isn't too bad, actually, for the 1700. It's not. Yeah, there's quite a lot of them probably didn't even do that. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. A lot of people started running into some stability issues at like 3.7, 3.6 even. Uh, but I, I had to make sure that 1.4 was safe. Uh, it is actually. 1.4 is safe. 
uh and somebody in the comments they were just telling me that i left a lot of performance on the table with the 3700x because what i did with the 3700x i only uh tweaked the uh precision boost override and uh auto overclocking settings mm -hmm. so basically everything's unlocked it can boost as high as it can within like the uh, within like the specifications that the algorithm has yeah and that's the best way to do it yeah someone said that they overclocked it to 4.4 gigahertz and uh 1.3 volts or something that's a golden sample we would get called out so bad no no he's gonna kill his cpu probably is gonna kill his cpu 1.33 volts no 1.33 is way too high that's gonna he's i told him that he's gonna have to buy a new one in like four months and he's like saying, well, it's only at peak voltage and the sock has a higher voltage anyways, but he doesn't understand that that's one core only. If this guy is listening to this podcast, I implore you to not do that. Ratchet it down. You need to, I would do maybe like 1.275 at the most. I think my 3600 is like maybe at like 1.2815 or something. Well, to be fair, if he actually wants the extra 100 megahertz that that's going to give him over a lower core voltage and he's just pushing it that hard, he probably will be upgrading in a year or two anyway. Not just because his <laughs> CPU is going to be dead, but because he's going to want the extra performance that newer CPUs are going to provide. This CPU is going to die in less than a year, I guarantee it. Or if it's not going to die, it, it's he's going to have to like seriously lower his overclock. Yeah, it's going to be degraded. Yeah, it's going to be degraded severely. Yeah, he'll start running into stability issues not too long down the road. Yeah, but, but I mean, like when you look at the scores he's talking about, like 519 uh, single thread in Cinebench R20, that's only like 10 points ahead of what I got. And yeah. then 5,217, that's only like a few hundred points above what i got really there's not a whole lot of room for overclocking on the 3700x except no. for the memory the memory is important to overclock especially if you can get it up to 3600 megahertz that's the sweet spot and that's what i did i couldn't tighten it at that speed though if you can then that's really good so i guess to summarize this one so long as you're willing to overclock the 1700 it certainly was a good cpu it was the pick of the uh, original ryzen 1000 series for me the 1700 obviously because it w was an eight core and it was the cheapest out of them all what 320 dollars was it 330 dollars 330 yeah but as you see there it's aged pretty decently you have to say and it's yeah it's pretty close to the 2700 as well I do think, though, I think you and I have a slight disagreement on whether or not it's worth upgrading. And the answer to that would be if you are actually gaming, then I think I would want to upgrade to the 3700X as a gamer. I think I would just want that extra performance. Well, I think the 3600 makes more sense if you don't need the cores. If you bought, say, the 2700X because of its boost, then I think the 3600 or the 3600X is a better buy. And I will be testing that very soon. Right. But yeah, to play a little bit as devil's advocate with the not really improving terribly between generations for gaming is kind of a, a little bit of a black eye for AMD as well because they're trying to catch up to Intel's performance. They haven't quite reached it you know, as far as gaming is concerned. I would actually disagree on that at one point because, because you can see in games like Counter-Strike and Far Cry and Forza, it's, it's really high up there. Like when AMD was really behind and now they're, they've gained like the 3700X has 251 FPS in Counter-Strike for me. And from yeah. the 2700 overclocked, that's 40% a better performance. If we're comparing it to the 1700, that's 70% higher frame rate. It's ridiculous. Some of these games run really badly on the original Zen. 
Yeah. Correct. And they definitely have gotten improvements. They're still catching up to Intel. They have matched in a few games, but not many. Yeah, I mean, the Counter-Strike performance is absolutely disastrous when you look at it. Oh, yeah, for the first and second. 251 for the 3700X. The 3700X has almost got higher minimums. <laughs> oh, sorry, higher 99th percentile, yeah, compared to the 1700. Yep. Oh, yeah. Holy crap. Far Cry 5 was a problem game. I think it still is a problem game for AMD. It is. Yeah. It is. It's really old, though. That's the thing. And that is a pretty nice, yeah, Forza Horizon 4. That's got a pretty nice increase there as well. I mean, that's the nice thing that I would say Zen 2 would be worth buying is just the fact that between Zen and Zen Plus to Zen 2, there is a, a significant change. Like, you barely see any uptick from Zen to Zen Plus, but once you hit Zen 2, there's this nice little hockey stick going where it just gives you some really good improvements in performance for a lot of these games that it was really having a hard time with in the beginning, like Counter-Strike. And a lot of it has to do with the much stronger single threaded performance which will lead us on nicely to the next topic wait jim just one more thing i think you're forgetting okay game cash <laughs> game yeah. cash jim game, game cash, cash fixes okay, everything <laughs> okay oh, but... pass mark let's let's, let's okay. get the pass mark yeah but paper master made a mistake last time when well, actually when he had the fad he called it l3 i never heard of that term before what the game never cash. heard of that I'm joking. <laughs> oh, God. You sounded sincere. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe they realized it was a ridiculous marketing term. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's so dumb. I mean, where is the, where is the game cash? So, Matthew, you wrote this nice little uh, response Can I continue? Can article. I start this one? Can I start oh, this one? Oh, Jim's Ooh. taking over. The main part of this podcast will deal with this topic, which was brought to our attention by chip architect Hans de Vries over at Twitter when he tweeted this before and after the bribe money. Passmark CPU performance, single-threaded. And you can see, for some reason, there's a Ryzen 7 Pro up there at the top. It's because I think there's not enough samples, and it's the same with the Ryzen 9 Pro. But you can see there's a 9900KS is sitting in third and the 3950X very close together. There's a bunch of CPUs pretty close together in single-threaded performance, like you may expect. Version 10 of the benchmark, however, came out a few days ago and there is not a single AMD CPU in the top 35 positions. Now, going from something where you were, they were almost on par to something like this, obviously this has raised a few eyebrows. And Matthew caught wind of this story, and he also caught wind of a storm brewing, and he decided to write up an article on it over at the Adore TV whip. Wait, at the, the timeline is a little bit off. I, I thought that a story would happen. The day I wrote that article, I had already talked to him like the night before. So I investigated it before anyone had, oh, had caught wind because I was like, it's going to happen. Yeah. And I was right. You can guarantee that as soon as the AMD Reddit catches wind of something yeah. like this, it's going to be yet another scandal. But yeah, you wrote up the article on it. If you want to take us through what you discovered. So I wrote this up on like the afternoon of March 13th. But the night before, I actually talked to Passmark. I just sent them an email and they got back to me very quickly. And th this is the, the main thing that they said. There are three main issues people have been asking us about. Why were the single-threaded scores so high in the first day after the Passmark Test 10 release? Three times higher than before. 
this issue disappeared now as we started to scale the score down the scores down and you don't see that in the tweets basically they had like a similar hierarchy but the scores were like 10,000 9,000 that kind of stuff that wasn't really the issue that people were talking about right now. Okay, moving on. This issue disappeared now, blah, blah, blah. Why did results for CPU X go up or down in Passmark 10? This is due to different algorithms. See, I, see the post I linked to, which is a forum post. It isn't a sampling issue. Why are some of the relative results looking strange? Why is CPU X faster than CPU Y? Some of this is due to the same issues as uh, issue number two, but some of this is also due to the lack of samples. So that's what they told me. What I came to was that, okay, well, they probably overcorrected their benchmark. Because before, especially in the multi-threaded results, Passmark was ridiculously good to AMD. To the point where a 3900X was beating the 10980XE in multi-core. Surely that's a sampling issue, though. I don't think that's a sampling issue. How many people are going to have 10980XEs? Can't be that many. Yeah, but it... it but it's a six core deficit. I think that's not what you would expect, even for a CPU like the 1090XC. I mean, what kind of clock speeds though, the 1090XC, even with 18 cores, I mean, what kind of clock speeds is it able to hold compared to the 3900X? Now, I do agree with you. I do agree with you, yeah? Like the 3900X should not be beating the 1090XC in multi-threading, clearly. You know, there is more to it than just the core count, obviously. They have nine samples, so that's not a ton. They have 125 samples for the 9980XC, and that's significantly lower than the 3900X. And the 10980XC is only slightly faster than that. Well, you got to remember, you also have twice the memory bandwidth with the 10980XE. Yeah. So you got all those extra channels to run the RAM. It can feed the multi-threaded a lot easier. That's why you see such a huge drop down in the 9900. Okay. But for me, the the issue is that they overcorrected or they're, they don't really get it when it comes to these CPUs and they're, they just have no idea uh, if what makes them fast or good or not. Yeah, I have a hard time believing that. I think it might be more this type of testing that they're doing. For instance, I understand that they do compression testing, but they don't do decompression testing. No, well, that's what I mean. They, 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 like, they don't understand that one CPU that's really good at compression might not be so good at decompression, or they might un not understand that people value decompression more than compression. Uh, it might be something stupid like that. Even when you're playing games, you know, Blizzard, Witcher, those kinds of games, the game packs, the textures, all that, are stored in this large archive of compressed data. And so yeah. you're constantly picking out and streaming out compressed data and decompressing it in real time to play these games. And so that's just one example of decompression being a huge yeah factor and then windows by default actually compresses ram anything that's stored in ram is in a compressed form and it decompresses on the fly to fetch that data out of ram not sure if you've noticed that that's the thing uh, who's this benchmark for it's not it's definitely not for gamers that's for sure is it for end users is it to judge the general performance of a pc is it for developers is it for people wanting to make specialized solutions uh, and honestly, I don't really have an answer for that. On their About Us page, it says they're a privately owned company. We specialize in the development of high quality performance benchmarking solutions. That is the thing that irks me. So you have a benchmark, right? 
and then you have a certain ranking of relative ranking of CPUs. Forget about the absolute values there. And then you change an algorithm and it's fine that you change algorithms as new as CPUs get new features or as, as you understand more what the users needs and all that. But why would you go back and reclassify old hardware according to the new algorithm that you have? Because by that logic, I'm looking at the current hierarchy. Now, what doesn't guarantee me that in six months or one year, they change again the algorithm so that the ranking is completely offset. So then if that's the case, why do I even bother reading the ranking or using the software in the first place if they can go back and change again results that have been published before? No, 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 they're not changing the results that have been published. They're rerunning it. They've updated it. You can still read yeah. the old results. It's just that these are new results. You know what's pretty funny? What? The first AMD result under the single-threaded is the 4300U, a Ryzen 3 yeah. CPU. Yeah. yeah, that's Renmore. A mobile chip designed for low TDP is going to be able to single-core boost that high? Yeah. Mm. There's just not enough samples in, out in the wild yet. Yeah. Let's actually discuss the problem with the benchmark here. It is basically a change in how the single-threaded performance is being measured. And some older CPUs, like the Phenom 2, gained 13%. That one gained more under the new algorithm. And most of the Intel ones have gained it a little bit as well. If you look at something like the 9700K, we see it's gained 2%. The 9900KS here gained another 2%. But as you go further down the bottom, you start seeing Ryzen 9 3950X, 3900X, 3600, 3500X. 3800X, and they are losing between 13 and 16% performance. But other Ryzen CPUs also gained, especially the older ones. Not not as much as the newer ones lost, but definitely a lot higher than like the high-end Intels. Previously in the benchmark, the 3950X and the 9900KS were pretty similar, as I discussed. Now, though, looking at the CPU single-thread score, the 9900KS is 18% ahead of the 3950X. And you've got to look really, really hard in order to find a case where the 9900KS is actually that far ahead of the 3950X. But one of the main issues I've got here is the administrator, David, used uh, this POV Ray single core result over at Tom's Hardware to justify it because, well, according to Passmark, the new test, the Ryzen 7 2700X, the Ryzen 5 2600X are 22 and 23% slower than the 9700K. And the administrator, David, here has used this benchmark of POV Ray single core, where we can see over at Tom's 26% slower, 2600X, 25% slower. So he said, yeah, okay, it seems to, it seems to add up. However, in the very next post, we see the problem because in POV Ray single core, Ryzen 9, the 3000 series, wins by a fair distance against things like the 9900K because it's just got a much more powerful floating point unit. So how does this happen when, how can it possibly be 18% slower? I'm just not entirely sure. And looking at other results, Cinebench R20 single core, 3950X is the fastest again. Why cruncher? Ryzen's in about the middle there, and the, yeah, the Intel chips are a bit faster. So maybe they're just doing integer-based rather than floating point? Maybe something like that now. It would explain why the old stuff took a bump, yeah. but the new stuff didn't, because the old stuff would be crippled by floating point bulldozer, for instance, because they shared the floating point unit. Yeah. Also, reading and writing, I think Zen 2, like, halved, like, the, the writing performance with, like, memory bandwidth. Uh, like, it's a lot lower because AMD was like, well, we're not writing as much, but people are still reading. 
So let's save some space by having the, the writing performance and keeping the reading performance the same. That could be something to do with it as well. If you look over Anantec's bench, comparing the 9900 KS and the 3950X, single-threaded benchmarks, we can see, again, Y-Cruncher. It looks like the AMD chip is up a little bit faster. And Cinebench R15, again, AMD wins. Cinebench R20 wins by a little bit more. And there is one, however, 3DPM, where the Intel chip wins by 29%, which is a big win there for it in single-thread. However, looking at Cinebench again, they're all pretty similar. It's only really this 3DPM one. Finally, if you look at Computerbase, who actually brought attention to this article as well, and they're running a bunch of tests, single-threaded performance tests here, 7-zip, Photoscan, Blender, we can see that the 9900KS is around about 2% ahead of the 3950X in single-thread. I don't know how you can get 18%. You know, everybody else is getting pretty similar. And let's be frank here, these chips are pretty similar in single-threaded performance. Ryzen 3000 has higher IPC, the Intel chips have got higher clock speed, and they think you need to try really, really hard to get a result where the 9900KS is almost 20% faster. And it is a change of benchmark. And, you know, I'm adding all this stuff up and thinking, I don't really like what I'm seeing. I mean, I'm not going to come out and say stuff like Intel are bribing Passmark, obviously. I don't really want to get sued for a start. And uh, I'm just not going to say that. And I can't prove anything like that. But you remember the stuff about user benchmark not so long ago and how they updated their benchmark to more reflect single-threaded performance? And look, I get that. And part of the issue with them was their response. Uh, Passmark hasn't really made a, a response outside of what they've said in the forum and what they've said to me. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if they respond similarly to user benchmark or not at all. Or if they're like, oh, we had a bug, we fixed it now, something like that. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. They did add AVX 512 to the version 10. They said that did not make much of a difference. Yeah, I read that. They said it's not making much of a difference. What is making the difference? It probably has a pretty low weight on it. It must be something they just did not really think about. It must be something... It could just be an unintentional bias towards integer-based tests that don't use a lot of floating point that AMD is naturally going to be really good at right now because of doubling their floating point unit. Basically, I think they don't really understand the hardware that well. I have a hard time believing that. I mean, they've, they're writing a benchmark software for Pete's sake. They should understand the hardware well enough. I'll give them that benefit. Yeah, I think so. Mm. They should do. I mean, if you're going to write something like this, and they've been around for a while, yeah. I think it's probably more just an unconscious bias of the type of tests that they put in. They just have unreasonably weighted towards the integer side and not the floating point. I mean, they're not doing compression and decompression. I mean, you guys know that I'm a conspiracy theorist, obviously. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am. Are you? Yeah, but uh, as I've just shown there, you know, there are there are ways to make Intel win a bit more. And uh, what's the chances of, you know, both user benchmark and now pass mark? finding this way to make Ryzen appear to be less, you know, Ryzen 3000, just that little bit less. And look, I know that if you look at the Passmark scores, AMD still absolutely thrashes Intel. It's all AMD chips at the top. But, you know, that's because you can't really manipulate multi-core, but you can manipulate single-threaded. AMD have got so much performance due to having the extra cores. That's why they're thrashing them still in this benchmark. You know, that's justifiable because they really do have so much stronger multi-threaded performance. 18% lack in single thread? Ah, 
I mean, look, Ryan Strout's got a budget at Intel, yeah? And I think it's safe to say that he has done absolutely everything that I expected him to do. And another thing that I would have expected Ryan Strout to do as chief performance strategist, he's going to have a multi-million dollar budget there, yeah? For a fact. Paying benchmark websites is something I would expect him to do. And if he's not doing that, I don't think he's doing his job properly. I mean, this is Evil Jim again, <laughs> yeah? But Evil Jim would do the exact same thing. Stuff like user benchmark, passmark, they're very popular with people who have a little bit less savvy, yeah? Shout's not going to go to the tech press and try and bribe them because it just doesn't work anymore, yeah? I mean, some, some would probably take it but it doesn't really work any longer. But he can sway the benchmarks that they run to provide their results. Very easily. And if you look at, this is quite amusing, I found that this, uh, the role of benchmarks in the public procurement of computers by Intel, a white paper talking about benchmarks, which <laughs> shouldn't be allowed as far as I'm concerned. And they've got like Intel's recommended benchmarks here, which you can see it's all the XPRT stuff by principal technologies and they've got mobile mark and they've got sysmark there which is bapco who are simply just a satellite of intel and then at the bottom you've got spec cpu and 3d mark but <laughs> what i found interesting here was passmark performance test 9 note that passmark is currently not recommended for evaluating mainstream pc platforms and there's a bunch more of course that aren't recommended what well, do you want to bet that that's going to go away very quickly yeah, I want to bet it's going to be recommended. <laughs> I'm not even sure Intel can recommend Performance Test 10 because they still get absolutely thrashed. <laughs> There's nothing they can do about the performance, yeah? I mean, you can, oh, yeah, there is things that you can do by, you know, throwing a bit of money around, but... Well, you want to know my grinding bit on this is I think single-threaded performance is a misnomer to begin with. Very rarely yeah. are you going to have something yeah. hammering a single core exclusively with nothing else running in a system. So those peak performances you see on a single core thread are going to be practically non-existent in the real world. And we see that play out in software that you don't artificially limit it to a single thread to actually run its task because that's what you have to do. You go and run Cinebench, you hit the test and you can pick between single and multi-thread, but who's going to want a single thread render a Cinebench? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's pointless, yeah. It's a pointless metric. It would be much better to just run the multi-threaded and divide it by the number of cores or threads. And you'll get something more akin to what your actual single core loaded performance is. Yeah, especially Cinebench, the scaling's pretty good in that one, at least. You tend to find that these renderers and uh, like uh, stuff like that, the ray tracers tend to scale pretty well. Do we know when that white paper was made? I don't actually know. I was only made aware of this today, again by Hans de Vries, who noted that, you know, Intel was actively discouraging governments and other authorities from using Passmark as a benchmark. Which, you know, that makes sense because it's not really a benchmark I would use either. I mean, people are uploading their own results here, I think, aren't they? So there's always going to be problems with that stuff. They are recommending Cinebench. Yeah, they're not recommending Cinebench again. <laughs> well, it must be after 2018 because they they make a note about AppMark 2018, so... Right. Yeah. One thing that's interesting to note here on their About Us page is that they have Intel down as a software partner. And I put this page in the Wayback Machine, uh, and th that 
Intel software partner thing has been there since like mid 2019. Mm. So it's really weird that Intel is like, we don't recommend our partner software. Now that is rather curious, isn't it? I don't really understand that. So is Intel pressuring Passmark? Is this like what I was saying before? This is a very weird situation. Well, it just depends on how the whole partner software program works. I'm not so yeah. sure it's them paying money to a particular company, but more the partner company applying for partnership so that they can get better support from Intel's back end yeah. for debugging and things like that. You see it with uh, their partner programs for some of their more expensive software line and especially drivers and companies writing drivers for Intel product. I just don't think it's as simple as Intel bribed Passmark. I think that's way too simple. I don't think that explains it. It doesn't have to be a bribe. It might be so that uh, Intel is paying them or is helping them with a partner program, so it gives them some help and all that. And then they don't have to say anything. They just kind of uh, reduce the... It might be also, I don't know. It, they can also take away the carrot, if you want to call it that way. And it's almost the same as using the whip, so... Yeah. Gonna do something to get the carrot back. I'd like to know what's going on with this. Maybe I should ask him again, but I don't want to, I don't, I don't really want to bother them. But just in case, like, this is a totally benign thing that we're getting worked up over for no reason. They kind of need to be upfront about these things, though, obviously, as well. I mean, this is actually, you know, it's required by the FTC now to you know, disclose anything like this. Well, they're based in Australia, but I'm sure that they have a similar thing going on there. Yeah. It really depends. If they haven't disclosed this and they have taken some kind of uh, payment, then that's a really big deal. But but not disclosing something is a big deal. And that's not something that everyone does. That's very rare that somebody doesn't disclose. It, it, when somebody doesn't disclose, it could be like a very uh, a symptom of a larger problem. I think that this Intel software partner thing, which you noticed, Matthew, I didn't even notice this one. I noticed now. it just now. Not recommending the benchmark and now which would have been about 2018 or early 2019, probably. And now, yeah, middle middle of 2019. When was it Shroud joined the company? Oh, I don't know. I think it was the end of 2018, however. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was the middle of 2019 when User Benchmark, who are absolutely massive, by the way, this is a 10 million visit website, yeah, per month, I think. This is what I mean about people with not quite so much tech savvy tend to check out stuff like User Benchmark. Passmark, much smaller, but 785,000 visits. I mean, that's 10 times what our website traffic is. <laughs> well, User Benchmark reacted to Zen 2. Passmark is only doing this just now. So there's yeah. definitely a difference here. So uh, I hope we figure out what the heck's going on, because this is just so strange. I hope it's just a mistake. I mean, I really do hope it's just a mistake. I'm not... Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just one of those people who is very cynical yeah and obviously i do not trust intel one iota and you know why i mean financial hospital says it all three billion dollars to spend on a bunch of stuff i'm not gonna say that they're doing it or that they've done it in this case because there is simply not enough evidence of it i'm just pointing out that the inconsistencies that i am seeing yes there could be a good reason for it or simply put it's just a mistake in the benchmark or maybe the algorithm just 
didn't do what it was meant to do. I just find it weird that in these cases it tends to be AMD who gets the, you know, the rough end of it every time. That's what I find most curious about all of this. And look, on AMD, they are, let's be honest, they are absolutely hopeless. They have got no idea how to deal with this stuff whatsoever. They just don't know what to do about it. They really ought to have their own guy like Ryan Shrout doing stuff like this as well. Because this is like, this is, this comes down to money. And obviously AMD doesn't have a huge amount of money to spend. And look, again, this is Evil Jim once again, but if Intel and if NVIDIA are doing these things and AMD aren't, then I mean, what, what do you expect the result of that is going to be? I think it's a little refreshing that AMD hasn't gone down this route of playing dirty along with what NVIDIA and Intel are doing. Do they need to play dirty? I mean, it's like they said. When you're in the sandbox getting kicked, yeah, you, you definitely need to step up your game. Do they have to do it by playing dirty as well? Unfortunately, they might have to. It really comes down to that because they're not going to be able to come up with evidence to prove these back channelings that are happening. Like Matthew just discovered, Passmark are an Intel software partner. Should they be an AMD software partner too? Are they big sure. enough for that? I think they probably are. So, I think AMD should reach out. I think they probably should as well, at the very least. To be fair, the whole partnership thing, it's something that is applied for by the end company and they get a list of perks depending on what level of uh, partnership they want to pay for because it's not Intel paying them, it's them paying Intel for a, essentially a, a premier support level. And yeah. You have a whole list of checkboxes of things that you get with like digital marketing or uh, debugging assistance, compiling after hours, advisory hours, training. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that you can get by being a partner. Yeah, I mean, I agree entirely with that. I just feel that, you know, AMD could have something there. Maybe they do. Maybe they do have something there that we don't know about. But so nothing I've ever heard about. It's different, obviously, with game companies. Uh, they've obviously got plenty of partnerships going on there with a lot of the game developers and publishers. But this kind of stuff, I don't think I've ever seen anything. You know, they've got such a massive lead in CPU that... It, it almost doesn't even matter, this whole thing, to be honest with Passmark, because they still crush Intel in the actual overall results. I just, yeah, I just find it a little bit curious. Do we want to talk about how Intel is still failing? Are you ready to talk about that? On the, uh... The server? Yeah. Someone played the funeral theme. Yeah. Unfortunately, this article is behind a paywall. So the last topic we want to talk about is Charlie. He's posted on Twitter a little bit of big news. He's like a nuclear bomb level of tech news. He is floored. Basically, Intel is sunsetting or just even preemptively killing some kind of server program. What that exactly means, it's behind a paywall to go find out, unfortunately. It looks like he's updated the story a little bit. Have you read the Has recent he? one? It looks like there's much more details than there were previously. No, it looks the same. Was oh, this the same? Yeah, this looks the same. I thought yesterday he only had a tiny little bit of details. I didn't realize he had all this stuff on it as well. Well, it still has a tiny bit of details. Are you on the right article? Intel roadmaps confirm semi... Nope, I'm no, on the wrong article. Right? You're okay. on the wrong one, Jim. <laughs> Intel kills off a server program. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. What, what date's that article from, by that the way, That was 2018 Jim. was the one that I was looking at. Ooh, that's a little bit off. Yeah, just a little bit off. Yeah, so there weren't very many details at all. Semi-accurate has learned that Intel has just cancelled a major server program, a major failing, and a crushing retreat from their main market. I mean, look, Charlie, Charlie doesn't get a lot wrong on Intel, let's be frank. 
he called 10 nanometers years ago. He's clearly mm-hmm. got some extremely good sources. Not that it's difficult getting sources from within Intel. <laughs> to oh, be yeah, honest. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the question. What major server program would they cancel and thus have a major failure and a crushing retreat from the server environment? My first two thoughts were either something 10 nanometer or something 14 nanometer. I have been told by someone who might have read the article, I actually don't know if they've read it or not, that it's Cooper Lake, or it's more specifically Cooper Lake AP, which is the dual die. And I could believe the dual die. I'm not sure we can really say that. Well, I haven't read it. I don't know if he's read it. Well, here's the thing. Canceling your server CPU that has two glued together CPUs in it, (laughs) I I can see that as being a strategic move, sure. But it was such a small piece of their offering that killing it would not be a major defeat or a failure. That's the way I see it as well. I think it's a major PR thing. The way that Charlie's talking with this big, big, big news... To me, that has to surely mean 10 nanometers. I don't know. Why would they cancel? They still just can't yield it. It sounds like they're going to just skip a generation, perhaps, of some previously announced, probably 10 nanometer server CPU, and they're just going to skip right over that and go straight to the next node. That would be my thought. I was thinking they canceled Cooper Lake due to capacity issues. Like they can't support this line, so they just axe it, or at least the dual die ones, because it's just going to take up too much uh, supply and it might not sell well. But that's just axing the dual die versions of it. That's that's not a yeah. big loss. That's maybe backtracking and just saying they're only going to do 14 nanometer until their post 10 nanometer node is ready. That might be more in line. I don't know. What's weird is that they killed off a server program because because AMD was being competitive. Isn't that kind of backwards? Wouldn't they want to keep server programs to be more competitive? That also kind of sounds like to me that they lost a contract, that somebody they made a contract with renegotiated and is now using Rome instead of instead of uh, Cooper Lake or Ice Lake or Skylake X. They're getting absolutely thrashed in the data center. Oh yeah, they're getting, Intel's losing deal after deal after deal. They're still selling even more CPUs though, of course. Uh... Yeah. I mean, yeah, okay, AMD are catching up, but they're still below 10% server share. But they've lost a lot of high-profile deals. They lost Frontier, El Capitan, Bull Sequana, and, and so on. Archer, that's another one. Big Red. They just don't have the performance. I mean, that's the problem. Yeah. They don't have the performance. They don't have the performance per watt. 14 nanometers, just, you know, yeah, they can get those 5 gigahertz plus clock speeds out of it for the desktop. <laughs> That's not going to save you in a data center, though. So you can claw back some of that performance by not applying the Spectre Meltdown patches. <laughs> yeah, there is that as well. In your private protected server space, you could. I mean, there is this as well, yeah? All these constant mitigations required. The latest one, that LVI. I mean, how much performance are they losing out of that one now? It uh, depends on whether you're running the uh, SGX or not. If you're having to do the L-Fence, then yeah, you're going to be losing 2 to 19 times <laughs> your speed in just that one set of commands. So overall, it's probably 2-3% again, but it's not something that's heavily used. It blows my mind that people are still buying Intel server chips. I cannot get my head around it. Is it back orders? Are they kind of uh, things that have been ordered like two years ago or one and a half years ago? I don't think it'll be that far back. No, I mean, there will be some lead time, maybe two or three months or something. But from what I heard, AMD had uh, had longer times. That was like in the middle of last year, though. So things have probably improved now, now that AMD's got some more capacity. But... (laughs) 
who is buying Intel CPUs today? I mean, who is it? People who don't trust AMD's uh, capacity, I bet. They don't trust AMD enough to pay more than double the prices. Okay, those prices did get slaughtered recently. Oh, yeah. For worse performance, worse performance per watt, and that's before you even add all those security problems. I mean, how bad does AMD have to be for you to still go with Intel through all of that? I can't, I can't actually believe it. Financial horsepower. To be fair, it is pretty hard for a data center to switch to a new CPU type. A lot of mm. it comes down to live migration of virtual machines. It doesn't yeah. work between different CPU architectures. VMware, for instance, has to put a compatibility mode in to keep VMs from actually using some of the newer CPU features just so that you can have older generations of CPUs in a cluster and allow live migration between. You actually have to turn the VM off and back on in the new AMD environment in order to migrate. Yeah. And so they would have to do a hybrid cluster and phase it in. And then during maintenance cycles where they reboot systems, then they bring them up on the new AMD equipment. It can be done. It's just a lot of headache compared to just throwing in another box and keeping the uptime. And now, of course, they also need two licenses, don't they? If they're going to do that. Um, if they were intending on increasing their count, Quarter, then yeah. they wouldn't have to. And if they're reducing their socket count by getting the epics versus dual socket Intel, then they'll actually be ahead in licensing in the long run. That's partly why the uh, new licensing change that VMware did was kind of chafing is because some of these data centers were most likely buying these 64 core single socket servers yeah. to replace their dual 28 core servers from Intel. And so getting this, now they're at a similar license and it makes it harder to transition. So they'd have to have a set of licenses just as padding to help migrate. Well, as you know, I'm a conspiracy theorist and uh, I can't help but get the feeling there may have been some financial horsepower involved in this as well but i guess we'll wait and see about that i have a hard time believing that particular conspiracy theory about it i think the writing was on the wall for such a licensing change i mean they've screwed over their customers before with the 5.0 transition where they had vram licensing i'm not sure if you're familiar with that in particular but they put a, a cap on the amount of ram that a particular socket license covered and so you'd have to buy more socket Socket licenses for these higher RAM capacity servers. I didn't know about that one though. How would you feel about this uh, theory if it turns out that Intel has canned all of their server CPUs above 32 cores? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they truly and honestly killed off their dual die server CPUs, and that's this yep. supposed major, what you're saying is essentially true, that they yes. killed off all their high core count server parts. But, you know, I don't see that that is this major news. I see them skipping something that they have put in their timeline due to this whole node issue that they've had with 10 nanometer. That makes the most sense. Yeah, I think it's probably something along those lines as well. Let's just put down all the possibilities that they've canceled. So for 14 nanometers, we have Cooper Lake and then Cooper Lake AP. I think that's all that's in 14 nanometers. Then for 10 nanometers, we have Ice Lake. And then we also have Sapphire Rapids. We haven't really discussed 7 nanometers because we think it's unlikely. But if, but if this is about AMD stealing a contract, 
then the one major supercomputer that they could steal is Aurora, which I think is extremely unlikely, but a possibility. Aren't the contracts already signed for that, or...? I don't know, maybe they, maybe they can get out of it, maybe they can't. Because if they're getting rid of Intel, then they're getting rid of CPU and GPU. And they're going with AMD for CPU and GPU. Yeah. Because they can't just take the Intel out of the CPU or the GPU. It has to be both. So those are all the possibilities, really. I just don't know. Um, it's obviously very tempting to be uh, a member of Semi-Accurate and get Charlie's information. But yeah, then we can't talk about it. There were one other speculation that was going out there was something like Optane. You know, maybe it wasn't an actual oh. server CPU, but maybe a program like the Optane memory or the uh, the usage of that where they were planning on putting it closer to the CPU or some kind of caching. I could see that. Optane hasn't really been catching on as much as they were hoping. On the article, it says, the subheading says, think mainstream, not niche market for this one. So it seems mm. to be a rather... You know, it's, I think we're talking high volume stuff here. Well, don't they want Optane to be mainstream? Yeah, but it's currently a niche market, though. That's the thing. Mm, yeah. I mean, they've been putting Optane branding on every Xeon CPU they've gotten their fingers on as far as ARC and everything. Everything's Optane support in there. Well, whatever it is, Charlie reckons it is big, big, big news, nuclear bomb level tech news. So we're going to find out soon enough exactly what it's all about for sure. Whether that takes a month or two months or six months we're not entirely sure yet and i have a hard time thinking it's cooper lake either because that's a 14 nanometer part it would almost make sense if they just skipped that and released a 10 nanometer ice lake instead i basically talked about that in a video saying why are they even bothering these two cpus so close together it's the same platform too yeah so i mean it made absolutely no sense to me so if they axe one of those two it's still not big news. I don't know what he thinks big news really is. Yeah, I kind of agree with that as well. Uh, I, I guess the 10 nanometers, if it's 10 nanometers, that is big news. Yes, because that's admitting that their 10 nanometer is garbage. Yeah, they've pretty much done that already. Which we all know it is, but... Yeah. But we know that they will have a, a seriously hard time making 24, 48 core kind of stuff on 10 nanometer. They just are having a hard time even getting a mobile chip working properly in its entirety. Yeah. Well, I think we can end on that note then. And uh, I will say before I leave that uh, I think I'm maybe coming down with a little cold or something. Uh, I hope it's not human malware. <laughs> no, Jim, you can't say it. Jim. You have to edit that away. <laughs> you have to bleep that now. I hope it's not the C word uh, I'm coming down with. But Stop getting bit... human malware. Don't you know what sites yeah. to go to? Starting to wonder, though. Feeling a little bit tired as well. So... Uh, call an end to this one now i will obviously be working on the video that i should have got out last weekend as well sorry on friday however i didn't quite make that one it's a bit more research than what i was you know hoping to be doing and it's on a slightly different topic from my usual amd intel nvidia stuff uh, but we'll get that out well you know we all actually really enjoy your off-topic videos too so do keep putting those out i'll say that on behalf of all your fans i wouldn't even say it was an off-topic video it's kind of on topic but just not the usual exact topic but we'll see about that hopefully early or towards the middle of next week i should get that one out okay adore tv is now a podcast channel <laughs> <laughs> after i said that that's not what i'm gonna do in the last episode we're now running two podcasts in a row it's already happened jim yeah <laughs> it's because it's so much fun to just talk about a lot of these things that you don't normally have time to do these deep dives into just due to you know time and effort involved in making those videos you know i'm enjoying this because 
this Passmark thing, I would never have made a video on this alone, yeah? But it's nice to get my thoughts out on it, yeah? You know what, I tend to do these kind of epic videos where, you know, it pulls in a bunch of different sources and stuff like that. I don't really think there was enough there in the Passmark one to talk about. I guess I possibly could have done something. You know, the podcast gives me the chance to talk about these things that I wouldn't be talking about otherwise. So, yeah, it's, uh, hopefully, you know, this is going to work. And, uh people are content with it, so long as it's not going to put off my regular videos too much. And it wasn't, the last podcast ran up a bit longer than uh, I'd hoped, and I did have to do some editing, but Kirks, you're going to do the editing for this one, or most of it. Correct. So really, the podcast is literally, should only be an hour or two of my time, so it should not get in the way of the regular videos. Yeah, we have it all worked out now, so we should be increasing our streamlining of getting these podcasts edited and out to you guys. We're trying not to make any sacrifices in visual and audio quality. As you can see from the last, we've actually been improving quite a bit. So keep tuning in. We only get better, I hope. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, We do appreciate you joining us, Jim. Your thoughts on these are pretty much what we all like to hear and kind of thirst for, I would think. It was my pleasure. We definitely look forward to seeing you in the next ones. Yeah, of course. And hopefully there will be some interesting topics. And let's be honest, what's the chances of there not being something interesting to talk about for the next podcast? It's pretty low. (laughs) There's always some drama happening in the tech world. Always. Exactly. Well, and we have all of these online conferences that we're going to be able to participate and look at because what they used to present in person, we now have access to rather than having to watch Periscope feeds and whatnot. It brings those conferences to the masses. You don't have to actually go there and pay an entry fee anymore. So that's going to be actually a rather nice boon, in my opinion. Yeah, I never actually thought about that. I did notice that NVIDIA changed their mind, though. They were going to be live streaming something, and then they've changed their mind about it. But that's a that's a topic for another podcast, maybe. <laughs> Not this one. Yep. Well, thanks for joining us this time. Thank you, Matt and Aurelian, as well, for joining us and providing your thoughts. Uh, we will conclude this podcast, and we will have another one next week, I hope. I mean, as long as society's still here. <laughs> yeah, as long as society hasn't collapsed before then. Make sure you have your toilet paper. Yeah, thanks for joining, guys. Hit that subscribe button and do like and comment on this video as well. It definitely helps with the rankings. And we will see you next time. I'll catch you later, guys.